Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. My name is Andy Dawson. My name's Sam Delaney. And welcome to this, the sixth episode of The Keen Odyssey, where we look back at Roy Keane's book, The Second Half, which he wrote with Roddy Doyle in, I think it was 2014. It says on the front cover, The International Bestseller. So there you go. We don't fuck about with um, small fry books here. No. Only the big ones. Yeah, and it'll be even <clears throat> fucking bigger now, after these oh, God, six yeah. episodes devoted to it. Not many books get six whole episodes of an award-winning world-famous podcast devoted just to it. True, and we'll probably wedge them all together into one massive episode in order to just try and keep this thing going. Who publishes this fucking book? I don't know. Why didn't... Orion. WNN. What's that stand for? Orion Books. Well, hang on. It says WNN there. Well, it'll be like an offshoot or something. An imprint. Yeah. Well, Wyden, Field and Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah, well, they need to be getting in touch with us or we'll get in touch with them and, you know... Sort something out. Yeah, I mean, give us some fucking free books or something like that. Definitely. I mean, the one we've got here in front of us from a charity shop, so... Yeah, and it's got a bit of old food on it as well. It's disgusting. It's what? He's got a crusty bit... I don't know what that is. It looks like a bit of pie. Ah, uh, that'll come but off. if you win this book, so I think we're going to do a competition yeah, later. It'll be, it'll be if you win it, it, will, it will come with a bit of pie crust I'll, on it. I'll knock the pie off. Yeah. I'll script that off somehow. Uh, right, so we'd left it at the last episode where... Uh, he was looking for a village to he, live in. He, he couldn't settle anyway. He'd lived in three villages in three yeah, months. Yeah, and, and you'd rightly pointed out this cryptic thing that he said, he said, we were trying to find the right village and villages can be funny old places. He goes on... Couldn't find a Catholic school like St Bede's in Manchester for the kids. The school we eventually found was different. It was more conventionally English, very middle class. Cricket and rugby, tea and scones. Oh, there it is. There's the undermining line. So straight away you're thinking, fucking yeah. hell, this is... I mean, imagine Roy in a situation like this. Mm. We went to a charity function for the school a few months after the kids had started there. It was a tuxedo job. Straight away you're thinking, cunt school. Yeah, a fucking fundraiser for a school you have to wear a tuxedo. Yeah. Fuck off. What the world cunts. I ended up sitting beside a man I, d- I didn't know. <laughs> well, you didn't know any of them. <laughs> Wait, they're sitting me beside someone I don't know. Who's do you this know fella? Any, do you know anyone here? Well, can't they sit behind the table on my own? Could they not put Brian Kidd in next to me? <laughs> Could they not make some forecasts? They don't know who I am. <laughs> Brian Kidd's gonna be, gotta be available. Wait, wait, what about Niall Quinn? There's gotta be someone. Steve um, Staunton. <laughs> Steve, Steve, it's Roy. How quick can you get down here? No, I, don't, I don't know. It's a village somewhere. <laughs> it's a village somewhere in England. But you've got to get yourself over here. The, the, at the moment, you won't believe it. They're sending me next to a stranger. Have you got a tuxedo? Have you got a tuxedo to hand? Don't don't worry. Just put anything on. Just get down here Just half an hour. Put your tracksuit on. It'll be fine. I'll vouch you. But he couldn't make it in time. Anyway, I end up sitting beside, sitting beside a man I didn't know. I wondered how the conversation was going to flow. Right, he said, "What do you think of this new coalition government?" <laughs> oh! 
And you know the cunt. I've got no sympathy with this cunt. Because although anyone who had to sit next to Roy Keane in most circumstances, I'd think the poor fucker. Mm. He's going to be the hardest person to make conversation yeah. with. This bloke, you know he's a cunt. Yeah. He's turned up at his fundraiser. And, 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 and also, in what a sort village. of fucker opens a conversation like that? Yeah. Straight away, you'd be like, anyway. It's a power player. I'm not, that, even, a, I'm, a, I'm not even Roy Keane. It, yeah, in a way it is. Yeah. In what way? Are you one of us or are you one of them? Yes. Let's find out straight away. Yeah. And that, that'll dictate the rest of this conversation in this evening well, that we have Roy's together. Roy's response was, of course, golden. <laughs> he said, what do you think of this new coalition government? I thought, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I nearly went, is, is there a new coalition government? Did you watch Barcelona last night? <laughs> I thought the Do you new... not like football, you cunt? Yeah. I thought the new coalition was a team playing in the Suffolk League. <laughs> I think I missed St. Beads more than the kids did. And then he writes afterwards at random, and the blue kit! He's gone back <laughs> Again. to that. Yeah. I don't... Fuck's sake. The fucking coalition government. What the fuck? Is, what world are you living in? Is that some kind of alternative pop group or something? Are you a fucking joke, man? Are you fucking... Your head's up your fucking backside. You're talking about governments. There's a fucking football club down the road the one's managing. And I'm here, There's dressed a like a fucking penguin, listening to your bullshit. There's a football club down the road there and the dressing room needs another coat of blue paint. Because and I'm wasting my fucking time on cunts like you. <laughs> With your daft fucking questions, your childish fucking preoccupations. Are you part of this so-called government? <laughs> if not, what you talking to me about it for? <laughs> that did go bitchy making there, didn't it? <laughs> and I can tell like... you this, if you are part of the fucking government, I've got a few ideas I want to run past you. One's about the fucking situation with sausages. <laughs> <laughs> He gets on to more about sausages later in the book. Does he? He does, yeah. Well, he talks about how he's very... About his time in Ipswich, he is extremely reflective and self-critical in a way that I find very admirable. That's what I've said before. This is a serious fucking book. He does not go through the motions here, right? He he really is serious about the way in which he reflects upon himself uh, and the things that he has done. So he's going for all the things that he thinks he did wrong. He admits that the incident where they went without with the with the um Paris with the what's Paris, it? Yeah. Paris. He goes, Yeah, it was a mistake and uh I don't I agree have with that. It. I think it was I, one of the best things that. he ever did as a manager. <laughs> and we know that, you know, he, he had no way that Yaffle was on their trail. <laughs> that Yaffle had actually employed uh one of those fucking Native American you know a sniffer they're sniffer they're fucking incredible and of course that's the thing about Yaffle he's a formidable opponent he'll always go the extra mile turns out he'd been over there to the States and found one of the best sniffers they got in the African American community <laughs> no the um, uh, Native American community and he come over what they call him now the uh, the wind talkers <laughs> <laughs> sniffer <laughs> he's got a wind sniffer and they'd sniffed us out out there on the moors you see that's how they tracked us down see but what I is you see <laughs> he's got that he's got that workshop there with all the old all toys getting restored and brought back to life and put in the window for the owners to come along and pick them up now you see he's got that goal that's been a rigid success for like 30 years now who's running it a fucking child <laughs> Emily <laughs> a little child's running it obviously he's the brains behind the operation does he pay her I don't well, know probably pay his sweets or something I don't know but <laughs> he doesn't need any grown ups because he's ahead of the game he's on top of everything so that's, what? that's what we're dealing with here one thing Yaffel always had over me that I have to admit he was a great delegator I struggled with delegation 
throughout my career in football and my uh, time um, in battle in a psycho emotional battle with Yaffle and it's because I never knew how to delegate properly and he had the moist he had Emily he had Bagpuss and then he had he, this sniffer he had the frog he with the banjo as well yeah he had I him I think he was called Gabriel and then he had this fella that he'd got over from the United States he'd invested his money in that but it paid off because he found us and we never thought he would <laughs> anyway he, he knew that was a mistake but then one day he was going to play Cardiff and he learned that there was a um, rugby game on I think between England and Wales the day before and right. he says he likes rugby yeah. so he says so uh, I decided to go there a day early but I wonder how I can get there a day early to watch the game because he was watching rugby when Wayne Rooney nicked the remote wasn't he yeah yeah. and go watch <laughs> yeah, in his room yeah, yeah. pretending he wasn't bothered that the remote had gone missing <laughs> and uh, I will forget this Wayne yeah he, he wrote about it in his book what was it he wrote about his book he's got a deal to write 10 <laughs> anyway he um so he said, oh, what I decided to do was, I thought, I'll get a box and I'll take everyone at my own personal expense. So Ipswich didn't pay, Roy Keane himself paid. Nice one. Mm, yeah, quite nice. Is that a power play? How does that go down with the team? All right? Um, well, it's a bit like be, I'm richer be, than all of you. I don't know. It's got to be better than taking them out into the woods and making them watch some paras Let, kill a pig. Yeah, and then and, they get and then seeing and then seeing the paras cruelly murdered by a wooden bird. And they were stun grenades into their tent yeah. at five in the morning. That was Professor a shit Yaffle day out. So he goes, "This was a much better day out." He goes, "We walked to the ground. We weren't giving any crap because it was like rugby people. They didn't know who we were. We got in the box. He goes, "I paid for everything." We watched the rugby. There was no press there. It was really chilled out. He said, and and they brought out the food, and it was bangers and mash. He goes, probably wasn't the best thing to be eaten before a game. <laughs> he goes, should have been pasta. But, you know, I thought, fuck it. Fuck it, we're out. We're having a good time. Let them have the mash. <laughs> they had the mash. If we'd lost the next day, I would have blamed it on the sausage and mash. But we didn't lose. We won. Was it because of the rugby? Probably not. Was but it what I know is that we had a great time. <laughs> So he was really pleased with that. He basically, it's the only positive memory he has of, 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 of his whole time thing. at Ipswich is going there. Yeah. So for the next five matches, we had sausage and mass before every game. And we I mean, drew the... them all. <laughs> so it's hard to draw any conclusions about that, to be honest. Abolish the mash plan. <laughs> this is it. He's still at Ipswich. And um, a new chief executive comes in. Uh, it was on the same day that he started, actually. A man called Simon Clegg. And uh, Roy says, chemistry again, it wasn't there. Clegg had been the chief executive of the British Olympic Association, but he wasn't a footballing man. I think it had more to do with the differences in our backgrounds. As well as being an ex-para, perhaps he'd helped set up the, oh, yeah. the, uh, the night away, he was public school educated. I was from Mayfield in Cork, but I had to grow up. I couldn't expect to be working with Irish people. <laughs> yeah, he's obsessed with Irish people. <laughs> like, all the way through the book. He's got a love-hate thing with the Irish, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. But he says, uh, he says, but the conversation has to flow. I'd say I'm interested in that player. Clegg would say, well, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> He'd never been involved in football before. I think he was all about being answerable to Marcus, the, the club owner, not helping the manager. Everything was hard work. I'm interested in buying a player, Simon. <laughs> oh, what what, what, what shall, shall I do? Go and get me the fucking player. <laughs> Don't come back till you've got the player, and he's got the kit on, the fucking blue kit, and you stood in front of me with him. Go and buy the cunt. <laughs> that's it. That's the end of conversation. Get down to the market. Buy the player. <laughs> that's how it works. I think. Put come him back. in a bag. You put him. Take the, take my fucking sack. Here's a sack. <laughs> 
You put him in there. It's the sack that I had to pick him before we killed it. Right. I've watched it. It's fine. There's no blood left. You get the fucking player. You put him in the sack. You throw him over your shoulder. You bring him back to the fucking ground. Leave the rest to me. <laughs> what's, what's... You release him. Release him into the training ground. You give him a run around. The rest is my business. What, what, uh, what's what's, what's the, the name of the, of the player, Roy? How many fucking times? I don't know what the fucking player's called. Fucking Pablo or something. He uh, <laughs> he's, he talks about how he like um, managed talking with other uh, managers as well when he was trying to do. He said they were very naive in their transfer dealings. Oh this yeah, Clegg bloke, and so he, they would often end up buying players for what Roy regarded as being way over the, the odds. There's the, the Thomas Priskin incident. Yes, where they sign him from Watford, don't they? Yeah, and they overpay. He said they'd watched him pre-season. He he he. he Played well, it was a friendly. His contract was up in a year, and I thought he might be worth a punt. I think I mentioned a figure of 400,000 to the owner. I think I mentioned. <laughs> he fucking knows damn well he mentioned 400,000. I rang Malky Mackay, who was managing Watford. Listen, Malky, I'm just giving you a heads up. We're interested in a player. I never spoke to other managers about a fee for a player. I never got involved. <laughs> Malky goes, Roy, I appreciate the call. Malky, terrified, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the call, Roy. Uh, can, can, we just le- the- can we just leave it at that? <laughs> <laughs> the window cleaners here. i got to go. <laughs> I said, I'm leaving it to the chief executive. I couldn't believe it when I heard what we paid for him. I think, again, I think, yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact, I think it was £1.75 million. Pounds. <laughs> and Roy had mentioned a figure of 400000 Watford couldn't believe their luck. That was our lack of communication, the fact that the three of us never spoke together. Priskin wasn't worth that money, but nobody had got back to me to get my opinion. And then the same thing happens. They signed two players from Sunderland, Carlos Edwards and, and Grant Ledbetter. Any yeah. good? Um, For the championship, yeah, yeah not bad. So he, he goes, they're good lads, but we paid too much to them. I thought about two million for the two of them would have been decent. But we paid just less than four. Now, he said, I didn't get involved in fees. That was not my business. That was for the chief executive. But I had opinions. But... but <laughs> He sees how he says, "I want these players, right? <laughs> I'll leave the rest to you." The chairman goes and the chief exec goes and buys the players. Then, when he hears how much he's bought them for, he's more or less gone. You paid how much? <laughs> They're absolute fucking shite. And he goes, "Get your fucking recommendations." So then he calls up Steve Bruce, who's the manager of Sunderland. He goes, "I phoned Steve Bruce." He was managing Sunderland. I said, I can't believe how much you're getting for Grant and Carlos. <laughs> Bruce went, ah, now, Roy, we've agreed <laughs> a deal. Roy. Because Bruce fucking knows straight away, <laughs> even though this has nothing to do with either of us, done them over. <laughs> Roy's going to ring up and try and bully me into somehow convincing my chairman that we should go back to them and say, actually, we feel bad about yeah. the amount we're taking off you. Call it two million because four's too much. Steve, it's Roy. I'm calling about some kind of partial refund. <laughs> How can we make this oh, no, happen? No, no, Roy. No, Come on. We've been down this road before. It's not about me or you, Roy. It's about the chief executives of our respective clubs. They came to whatever. Steve, don't make me come down there. <laughs> Steve, you know what I'm talking about. You know what's happened. I know what's happened. Don't make a fucking contact to me, Steve. <laughs> I know you're sitting there in my fucking swivel chair, speaking on my phone with the funny fucking lines on it. Oh, and you think you're the big man because you know how to fucking answer the phone. Just I know you'll have heard the stories about how I fucking struggled with it. Well, so fucking what? You can use a fucking phone as much as you want. What I'm saying is I want two million pounds back. I rang you up and I got straight through. I find that very curious. Have you got yourself some kind of assistant there with the phones? Yeah. Who is it? Is it Brian Kidd? <laughs> Don't... 
Don't tell me it's that cunt Carlos. Carlos Quiros. Jalapeño. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jalapeño. He has a real problem with um, Pablo Canugo, who, yeah. who, to be fair, does sound like a bit of a cunt, yeah. but at the same time a bit of a legend because he is so laid back, he has no fear of Roy Keane. Yeah. He goes, uh, he goes. you know, we brought him on in a game and there was a, he had a gift of a chance. Um, and he, 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 they were playing Bristol City. He goes... Um, I was playing Pablo Canuga, a player I didn't particularly like or get on with. He was a striker, very talented. He had a chance with about five minutes to go. We had a shot. The keeper parried it to Pablo. He was 10 or 11 yards out. He took three touches and the keeper blocked it. He could have hit it first time. There are games that sum up your spell at a club and that was the game. I remember people saying to me Pablo, to, to, about Pablo, he's really no good to you away from home and he doesn't always fancy it at home. <laughs> that wasn't a good start because half of your games are going to be away from home. <laughs> I fucking looked into this. Pablo, come here. I've been doing some digging. I got one of those stats fellas in. They've looked through it. Turns out half the fucking games you play in a season are away from home. Now, if you're not going to turn up, that means 50% of the games you're not going to turn up Who do up I for. speak to about a partial refund? <laughs> hey, I'm going to speak to the chairman and see if we can get more home games and away games next season, because that's the only way I can see this working. Um, he goes, I had a dig at him after the match. Fucking hell, Pablo, you got to do that first time. He was like, oh, this and that. <laughs> what? Oh, this and that. Fucking this and that. <laughs> Missing a chance like that is a reflection of the attitude to training. <laughs> he goes, uh, he, he got this injury and he goes, on the second, he came back from, from the summer with an injury, a groin injury. Then he had to walk out of training. The next day, second day of preseason, I was in my office and I saw Pablo chatting to some of the players in the car park about 10 past nine. <laughs> Just imagine Roy looking out of the window of his office <laughs> with binoculars. his blinds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> blinds. Seething at everyone he sees. He goes, yeah. I saw him in the car park, 10 past nine. He was due to have treatment and the injured lads would have been in about half eight or nine. So I called him. I knocked on the window. He's knocking on the window. He's like, hey, hey, you. Pablo. <laughs> Laddie. Pablo, come here. What are you doing talking in the car park like that? You're talking said, about me. I said, what are you doing? It's ten past nine. Imagine that. Not, not, not. You look up. <laughs> Fucking Roy Keane's at the window. What are you doing? It's ten past nine. He went, oh, yes, bud. We, we, we just kind of do what we want. That's what oh, he reckons he said. Oh, Did he really say that? What? Well, what you don't understand is, Roy, we just do what we want. <laughs> I said I said to him, well, 
Them days are over. <laughs> oh. Them days are fucking over. My days with Pablo were numbered, but he stayed at the club for another year because we couldn't move him on. No club was interested in taking him, and I was happy to tell him that. I just found him dead lazy. <laughs> no one else fucking wants you. Do you know that? I'd have you out of here if it was down to me. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you got the bit about where he, uh, he has to go to him in the dressing room? Um, he should have passed the ball to a striker who was in a good position with about five minutes to go I went down to the dressing room after the game and had a go at him I said you should have fucking passed it and he went well, how are we going to win anything with you as the manager fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell <laughs> ideally physically attacked him <laughs> but I didn't <laughs> What does that actually mean? I nearly physically attacked I reckon him right it's then. one of them things, you know, when you, you go to throw a punch, but you throw it short, and it just stops just before the face, <laughs> just to forward. see if they'll flinch. Fucking hell. Pablo Canuga. I could have gonna, attacked I'm, you there, but I didn't. I'm going to look him up, because he actually sounds like a bit of a legend. <laughs> he's like, well, he's, the biggest he nemesis, he's the biggest nemesis Roy Keane faced since Yaffle. The only man who just, like, didn't get intimidated. Oh, this and that. If he has a book, Pablo Canugo's autobiography should be called This and That. <laughs> <laughs> just him shrugging. On the, front co- on the front cover, he's wearing a white tux with a black tie, but the black tie's undone. And yeah. his top button's on. So it's a bit like Brian Ferry. Yeah. He's got a red carnation in his top pocket. Yeah. And he looks like Brian Ferry, maybe, on the cover of one of the Roxy Music's late 70s album. And he's just like, he's sort of shrugging and smiling. There's a there's a Doris on one of his arms. And he's got a glass of brandy in the other. Yeah. And he just says, Pablo Canugo, this Isn't and that, that, my life in football. <laughs> Do you want to hear, I've just looked something up. Do you want to hear a list of the clubs he played for yeah. after Ipswich? Yeah. This is this, this probably is the, the measure of the man completely. He had a loan spell at Crystal Palace 2010-11 where he scored twice in 30 games. <laughs> this and that. <laughs> this and that. Yeah. How are we supposed to win anything with you as the manager? <laughs> then 2012, <coughs> 2012, <coughs> he moves to a team called <coughs> Dong Tam Long An. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that is he didn't care that, that is a Vietnam Vietnamese team <laughs> he, he literally his, didn't give a shit who he, he played for exactly it was his own personal Vietnam <laughs> and then 2012-13 he went to Kichi which is Ooh. a Hong Kong team based in Kowloon again taking the piss 2013-2014 season after he went to back to Spain his homeland <laughs> and he played for a team called Choco <laughs> <laughs> oh, this Never and heard that. of them. And then 2014, off to Finland, where he played for a team called FC Honka. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, <laughs> FC Honka. <laughs> now he's, he's picking up. He got 15 goals in 17 games for Choco, which obviously sealed the deal for the Honka move. And he scored five in it for Honka. And then in 2015-16, he went back to Finland again. Um, still in Finland rather, and he played for a team called PK35 <laughs> which might be just I, I don't know a name of a video recorder or something like that so that was 2015 16 17 goals in 34 this must be like pub team level he's at now because he's it's actually it's quite hard to find goals. images of him oh no I found them now 2016 to 17 he goes to um, back to Spain again I think <laughs> and well, he's carved out a fucking career for himself. A, a team I suppose. called Alondras, eleven goals in twenty-one, two thousand seventeen-eighteen. Back to Choco again for three goals in twenty-two. Choco, Choco. Choco. and he's thirty-nine, and he just—he looks like he just retired. Like you know, this summer just gone. He's still but going in, in Choco. 
Wonder how much Roy thinks about him now. Pablo! Pablo, is that you? <laughs> Where are you now then? How's it going there with the football career? I imagine you're working in some kind of call centre now, are you? Ah, uh, no, Roy, I've been to Kichi, I have been to Dong Tam Long An, I've been to Choco, Honka, Peaky 35, Alondras. Now? I'm back at Choco. How about you, Roy? I believe you're some kind of television personality now. <laughs> Never How's mind what I'm fucking doing, pal. That's none of your concern. What's this Choco shit? Yeah. What you making up football teams for and put them on your Wikipedia page? <laughs> there is no Choco. I've done some digging. There is no fucking team called Choco. I got you my wind pu- sniffer over from America. <laughs> you can't pull the wool over my eyes. I couldn't get the best wind sniffer because he's already been signed up by a cunt whose name I will not fucking say out loud because I don't want to give him the oxygen of publicity. But I think you know who I'm talking about if you remember our time out on the Mars with the Marines. <laughs> The boy that making it, I got the second best wind sniffer. He's been looking into the teams that you claim you have played for, and hardly any of them exist. So what's the fucking story, Pablo? What's the story? That's all I want to know. Hey, come on, Roy, chill out. It doesn't matter. We once worked with each other, now we don't. End of story. This isn't over. You see, you've been looking at my uh, Wikipedia page, Roy. I think you'll see that uh, there are lots of quotes there from me about how much I enjoyed playing for your predecessor, Jim Magilton. He was a good man, Roy. I felt as though we could win things with Jim. Not with you, though. He has a falling out with Jim Magilton as well, doesn't he? Because he, he says that um, he was he feels bad because he was interviewed. <laughs> he said he was he was interviewed for the job. When Magilton was oh, still right. in yeah. charge yeah. of Ipswich, which he goes, yeah, I mean, you know, some people say that you shouldn't do that sort of thing, but I wasn't really going for his job. It was just a conversation. That was it. He went, anyway, I didn't really care about Jim. He said when I was at Sunderland, he basically he signed, he tried to sell a player to Ipswich from Sunderland, and uh, yeah, this is it. This is what he says. He goes. I didn't feel too sorry for Jim Magilton. I felt he'd let me down with a player when I was managing Sunderland. So for that reason, he had no fucking qualms about nicking his job. (laughs) He was supposed to take Tommy Miller off me. We'd agreed a deal. The transfer deadline came. I can't remember which one it was. But Ipswich pulled out of the (laughs) deal. They all to blur together after a while. (laughs) Ipswich pulled out of the deal. I rang Jim Magilton. I said, what's happening? I've turned down other deals for Tommy because you said you were going to. He was going to you. He was proper fucking aggressive. (laughs) He didn't give a fuck. It was all, fuck you. And then me back at him. Fuck you. You're a fucking joke. But it, but it started at his end. <laughs> fuck you. Imagine that. I mean, this can't be how it really happened unless Jim Magilton is fucking super crazy. He's rang up and going, it's, it's right here, Jim. What happened about Tommy Miller? I thought you were taking him. I turned down other offers. Pause. Fuck you. <laughs> what? We had a chat about it the other day. You said you wanted him. It was fine. I had it all lined up. Yeah, fuck off, Keno. Yeah, you, me fuck off. Fuck you, fuck off. You're a fucking joke. You're a joke, man. You're, a, you're not even a man. You're a comedy man, like you, a clown or something. You look something. like a glo- one of them glove puppets. You know those wee... You know those things that were like cones, but with a stick? And when you push the stick up, a wee clown comes out fucking with his eye, arms wide open. Yeah. That's what you remind me of. You're a fucking stick puppet. I'm going to go down to Toys R Us after this conversation. I'm going to buy one of those things and I'm going to get my wife to sew a little, some little writing on its little dress that just says, I am Jim Magilton. 
do you know what I might do? I might go as far as to go on that, what you call it, my, my kids like it, the internet thing. And I, we find a picture of you, we'll print it out, and then I cut, cut it out with scissors, and then I print stick it to the face of the fucking puppet. Yeah. And then I'll go around pretending it's Jimmy Judge, and I'm going to go over to Tommy Miller's house, and I'm going to knock on the door, and I'm going to put him up from behind a bush. And I'll go, hey, I'm fucking Jimmy Dilton. Are you still coming to Ipswich, are you? Well, you better fucking hurry up, because the transfer deadline's nearly passed. I actually, get a load of this. I got to go to this thing in a couple of nights' times at the school. And I got to wear a tuxedo, and I'm going to put a little tuxedo on little pretend Jim Magilton and take it along. And whoever I sit next to on the night, I'm going to get it out of my bag and go, don't talk to me, just talk to Jim, little Jim, pretend Jim yeah. Magilton here. Have you heard of Jim Magilton? He's the so-called manager of Ipswich Town. Look, Look at this. him. Oh, he's come along tonight. Look at him, he's a fucking wee prick. <laughs> No, he's gone in his corn hiding. Look now he's back out. Now he's in. Oh, do you want a wee game of peekaboo? You fucking baby. Do you know how he got here tonight? He came in my bag. Do you know why? Because he's so tiny and weak. He can't even drive a car. He doesn't know how to drive. I have to drive him everywhere. If he has to go and watch scout players, even though I've got nothing to do with Ipswich Town, because he's an old mate and he's from Ireland, I'll go and drive him around the country. Oh, don't mind doing it. <laughs> He's a cunt, but you know that's that's the rumor I'm spreading about you, business Jim. Business is business, and that that's because you have crossed me over this Tommy Miller business, and I am going to ruin your reputation and spread it to everyone that you're nothing but a wee corn puppet. <laughs> and Jim was all like, "Do what you want, Roy. I couldn't care less." Two months later, I had his job. <laughs> I didn't do the puppet thing. I let it go. <laughs> I thought that taking his job was enough. <laughs> but he knows, and I know, that I still have that puppet. I made it, and it tucked away with my, with my medals and my belts and my other keepsakes in a safe at my, ho- at my mammy's home in Cork. And I can get it out any time I want and dispatch that fucking puppet if he ever, ever thinks about crossing me again. <laughs> Sometimes I like to take it to my spider hole when I'm, when I'm summering in my spider hole and I talk on the to west it. coast of Ireland. I spent days talking to that puppet just sharing feelings it's not always that confrontational to be honest sometimes you can have a real good chat with a puppet he's a bit of a cunt but he's a good listener <laughs> I've taught that puppet things that I never told anyone else and things I'd take to my grave with me to be honest things that happened to me in my childhood things sad things strange confusing thoughts I've had over the years and only that puppet will ever know them <laughs> stuff about skateboards <laughs> anyway in the end I left Ipswich <laughs> it wasn't for me. <laughs> this, this is it. Connor Wickham, who we then saw oh, someone yeah. later on. Yeah. Connor was still about 17, I think, then, and um, he got evicted from his digs oh, for leaving yes, his phone great. charger plugged yeah. in all night. Roy says, I like Connor Wickham. He didn't score loads of goals, but he was only 16 or 17. He got kicked out of his digs one night. We'd had a game, I think we were up at Scunthorpe, and I got a call. Connor had been evicted because he'd left his phone charger plugged in all night without the phone connected to it. <laughs> Hang on. First of all, <laughs> what the fuck? What, how is that grounds for throwing someone out? Well, that's the thing. These fucking rogue landlords are cunts, aren't they? Uh, this, is this one of Keane's rules or is this the landlord's no, rule? No, it's clearly the landlord's rule. So he said, um, I had to meet the academy manager, Sammy Morgan, a couple of days later. We discussed phone chargers for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> What now? You let what? He's been evicted. Why? Because he did. He let what plugged in? The phone charger. What's that now? <laughs> what the. Not phones again. You know, I've told you before. 
I'm not good around phones. They don't make any sense to me. I had one at Sunderland. I say one. I went to 50 at the cunts in Sunderland. I kept having to get angry and throw them out the window because of the buttons and whatnot. And now you're telling me there's a thing you plug into the wall and then you plug that into the phone and it gives it, what? A life. Ele- el- electric. It gives it life. That's an electric thing. I don't. And what? He's been meddling with this. In the, Well, no wonder they're throwing him out. <laughs> you could have started some kind of inferno. He's doing the experiments with electrics. In someone else's fucking home. <laughs> it's some kind of wizard or something. What's going on here? Well, I, I've said from the beginning, these academy lads need to be put in spider holes. And that way you won't run into this fucking trouble. If they need to communicate, they can do it with a network of tunnels, just like the Viet Cong made in the war. It's perfectly simple. They can crawl to see each other if they need to have a conversation. They don't need no gas. They don't need no electricity. Just sit in the spider hole and contemplate. <laughs> and become better men. <laughs> you don't need to plug anything in ever. My God. Plugging things in. Do you think I plugged things in when I was winning army belts at Manchester United? I didn't, I didn't have, have fucking time. To time. I was in. too busy fucking training. Too busy winning. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So he plugged it in and presumably the landlord thought, well, that's just a waste of electricity. Mm. Sam, I'm going to say something to you which I didn't think I would have to say in this episode. Right. That's all we've got time for, and we still have another four points. Oh, no, come on. We still have another four points to get through, and I'm looking at them, and there's going to be another episode of this, Sam. I'm sorry to all our detractors who think we've done enough. We we basically got through one month of his time at Ipswich. Yeah, we did. And we've we've still got charity football matches with the JLS. We've still got... But when you say there's um, people... uh, when you say that there's people online saying we've done too much yeah, of it, one fella. how does that balance with people who like it? There's many more that like Loads it. Loads of I people think. have been saying they've been buying the book. Yeah. Lots of people saying they're now thinking in, like Roy Keane has taken over their inner monologue. Yes. <laughs> so for that so reason... So I think it must be popular. So we'll, we'll go to seven episodes then. Yeah, fuck and it. And then we'll probably end it. Or maybe we'll go back and look at stuff that we didn't we missed There's the loads of time. stuff we've missed. We'll both read it to again. To be honest, we've got this book, right? And it's... um. Including index, it's 296 pages long in hardback. You know what? We should do an episode where we just read out the index. I wonder who's got most <laughs> entries on the index. Roy Yaffle. Kane. Yaffle. <laughs> Yaff- yeah, yeah, it's Yaffle. Yaffle, comma, professor. Page three. Page 18. Page 42. Pages 100 through 168. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Then yeah. there's subsections. <laughs> Yaffle and Sunderland, Yaffle and Marines, Yaffle hires wind talker, <laughs> Yaffle and Emily relationship. Yeah, so um, like I say we've still got a fight with John Waters. We've got um, a trip to Nigeria and some explosive residue in the handle of his bag. We've got charity <laughs> matches with JLS, and we've got a run in with Adrian Childs. There's no way we can fit all of that into this episode, no. so we're gonna have to go to number yeah, seven. Unfortunately, number seven's on its way. Sorry, gang. So uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. One day we will go back to reviewing football seasons. I don't know where we, will, we got well, up to. The, the, we'll run out of them eventually, so we'll just we'll keep doing books. We'll what just, season did we get up to? I do you don't reckon? Two thousand and five or something yeah. like that. Yeah, plenty, plenty left in the tank. Yeah, of course there is. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll be back soon with another one. Goodbye now. Sleep tight.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.